one of the big things that I teach is behavior change. It's not just about money. It's what do you do with the money in order to really make significant behavior changes to keep the money that you have and make that money grow. So when you go to sleep, the amount of money that goes in your account is actually bigger when you wake up than when you went to bed. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Big Fat Real Estate Checks. My name is Marco Kozlowski. I'm out of Orlando, Florida. We have Gabriel Araish out of Montreal and Frank Galuccio out of Toronto, where I think the Leafs just choked Why? yeah when's the last yeah. time the leafs won a stanley cup again i can't remember <laughs> sorry if you're not canadian nice. don't follow hockey gabe's left the studio oh my gabe's, god gabe is they just have it, they have really it pissed off yes i think that i think okay, they landed gabe. on the moon i think it was before they landed on the moon i'm just saying before color sorry, TV. i couldn't resist i'm sorry and if you're listening to this in five years from now when uh, this was just done i'm sure the leafs Still haven't won a Stanley Cup, but it's okay. <laughs> You're going to lose Canadian. a lot of listeners, man. I know, I know, I know. Listen, don't be mad at me. It's for the Leafs choking. It's not my fault. I have nothing to do with the Leafs actually not being able to do what they're paid well to do. And I don't think their payroll is very high either. So I don't oh, understand no. it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Their payroll is high. Yeah, I think he was kidding, Frank. Yeah, that's, and, that's and, if you're a, a, and, and if you're a Leafs player, you may want to listen to this podcast because you may not be playing hockey for a long time. <laughs> so anywho, I wasn't uh, intending, of course, to uh, piss anyone off. This is all in jest, of course, although I might get some death threats. I think there's someone at the house right now trying to break in to uh, beat the shit out of me. It's my boy. Uh, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> One of Frank's boys, <laughs> Jimmy the Hand. It's all good. So uh, today we're going to be discussing cash flow versus appreciation. I know many followers of mine come in, and uh, you know, Gabe, Frank, and myself are always discussing you know people's investment strategies. And actually, before the podcast, Gabe said something that actually was an aha moment for me where uh, depending on what your investment objectives are, how are you going to be buying things? And actually made a lot of sense. And I had never really thought of it that way. So Gabe, thanks for that insight as well. Just when you think you know a lot, you learn something, which is amazing. And I appreciate you both for that. Always growing. And uh, of course, the listener, if you want to grow as well, we're going to have a, a candid debate about this. You know, Specifically, if you're you know buying for appreciation and you're only banking on appreciation, it might be a dangerous uh, move for you to make if based on what we're going to discuss today. And of course, if you have not yet subscribed, and have not yet absolutely listened to the first 10 episodes, please do so and work your way towards this one. I think we're almost in our 90s now and pretty excited to get to uh, number 100 where we're going to have a very special episode where we are going to discuss something that's top secret because we don't even know what it's going to be yet. So it's going to be a great episode. But yeah, so we're going to discuss again, I guess, investment strategies. I think it's better than even cash flow versus appreciation because there are many reasons to invest in property. And depending on what your goals are, will really depend on how you buy it. So I'm pretty focused on one, which is cash flow, which also has appreciation attached to it, but some might have different views. Uh, so, and that's what we're going to discuss. So who would like to go first? Frank, go ahead. Uh, you I haven't started in a long time. <clears throat> you don't like speaking. Uh, yeah, I haven't started. I don't like speaking. You're right. You know me very well. <laughs> He's a little shy. Um, uh, yeah. You know what? I think on this topic, it depends what your needs are or your objective is. And you nailed it uh, before, Gabe, but- some people, yeah, do have a lot of cash laying around. They have avenues for cash flow in other ventures or other businesses, and they get that money. They don't want to obviously keep it into their bank account, earning nothing, or put in a, a you know a super fund or a GIC or whatever the case is. So they'll put it on something that either has 
time tested results where, you know, you park it for 20 years. Like I know in, in Toronto, for instance, in my own backyard, a lot of people are buying, especially in my area, a lot of condos are going up. And in fact, there's over, going to be over 100 condos in one concentrated area. They're almost building like a Times Square, uh, literally with the big screen and all that jazz, big urban park. I think they're mimicking New York. So a lot of people are flocking, putting their money there. But sadly, they're not going to get the cash flow out of that. But they most likely will, perhaps. Again, it's a gambling thing. You don't know. They're banking on that appreciation for 20, 25 years down the road. So maybe their their kids will benefit from it and not so much them. But I know other people that invested in other assets that are time-tested. Like, you know, you got precious metals like gold and silver and things like that. You got things like diamonds. A lot of people invest in colored diamonds, like pink diamonds, blue diamonds, whatever. And they just park their money and they wait 15 years. Hopefully the mine will dry up of that particular diamond and uh, it's a payday for them. So I think it depends where you are. There's no right or wrong to it. I like to get paid multiple ways. And my immediate need right now is I want cash flow more than I do want appreciation. Appreciation would also be nice. And I try to look for both or more like I buy one asset. If I can dip into cash flow, I could dip in appreciation and other avenues to make money. Then that's the perfect asset for me. Let's talk about your local market for a second, or even Montreal or, or in Toronto or Vancouver or wherever, or Chicago or anywhere else, Orlando, whatever. A lot of people buy and they buy at full price today, no negotiation. And I don't know if you can get a great discount in Toronto or Montreal. Like it's, a bidding war, man. it's a bidding if, war. No, if you you're, make it, you're paying over. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a seller's market, right? It's, it's what it is in a lot of areas right now, specifically in Canada. I don't know about you know, the US. I don't buy retail ever, so I'm really not privy to to how agents are in the residential market specifically, because this is what we're talking about, I think, globally for now, where there is a bidding war, right? People are one against the other and they're buying it on more of a speculatory. It's from an investment standpoint, you know, I'm going to buy this. It's going to go up, right? Because real estate always goes up. That's the mindset. And you're paying full price. And if your objective is to pay full price to bank on appreciation, let's talk about that first. So, because we're buying always a 30% discount, so we can use asset based lenders so we don't have to put any of our money in. That's the objective. And there's processes around that. If you're listening for the first time ever and going, there's no way you can get 30% off a property, it's, we do it all the time, every single day. Listen to the Tuesday seller calls, go to sellercalls.com and you'll be able to join our seller call program and listen to that every Tuesday. But we do it constantly, every single day. So, but if someone is, conventional, uh, we're going to call it conventional wisdom. You use a real estate agent, you make an offer on the property, you hope it gets accepted and you're going to buy a property that's going to eventually go up in value. Let's talk about that scenario real quick. Okay. Well, first? What do you want to discuss about that? I don't know. What, what's your vision? How do you feel about that? Like, well, you know, I, I know how I feel about that, but you know, I, I think it's terrible, but that's what a lot of people do. So let's talk about it. Agreed. I guess it's like you said, it's a conventional method of buying real estate and if it suits the buyer's needs, again, we'll go back to what they want and what their objective is. I mean, when you're buying a home, you're buying a home. Your, your value is in you living in it, right? Talking about investment now, you're not your about own investment. home. Right. Okay. So if you're buying an investment property or whatnot, then you're buying it at full price. You got to look at what your return is. At least that's what we would do. But someone who's buying this conventionally, especially if you're buying it in our local mm-hmm. markets, for example, you're maybe getting away with what a 3% return. I don't know, Frank in Toronto, maybe less on a property. So evidently you're- From you're, a cash flow perspective? That's on the, that's on, you're not cash that's flow, on the, that's a return. Total return. Oh, total return. Uh, well, I disagree with that actually. 
So tell uh, us. You, I have friends that have invested in maybe on a cash flow. Yes, you're looking at a three percent cap rate. Yeah. But from an appreciation perspective, what happens in Toronto? I'm sure they do this in Montreal too. They if they open up a subdivision or whatever the case is, and there's a lot of people that flock there. You have to go on their list. You have to be pre-approved. There's only so many lots available. You can't negotiate shit. It's that's the price and that's it. And you pay for it. So I had some friends and neighbors do it where they bought properties and, you know, in phase one, for instance, right? They do the phase one thing and they bought properties, just say they bought it for $500,000 for that one unit. And then as soon as they release phase two already, even though they haven't developed anything yet, that phase one, that 500,000 is already at five, you know, 20, because now phase two, they're selling at 520, 530. But you're not, unless you sell it, you're not getting that value yet. So your return at that point is only your cash flow. Like I understand that it's a potential return because if you did sell it, you would probably get more. But if you're holding on to it, which is what you know most people do, is they're parking their money there, right? Like if and this is where I was talking about earlier, is it really depends on what your investment objective is. So I don't understand a conventional buyer. I don't get it. Why? Maybe because you know, for the last six years, I've been buying properties under our processes where I need 30% off. In fact, I'm now addicted to the 30% off where I need it everywhere I buy stuff. And I can't, you know, it's harder, but- Walmart hates him. Yeah. My wife hates me. (laughs) She's like, why do you need a discount? 20% is enough. But the point is, is that if you're buying and you're banking, when you're buying a property, especially in our market now, you're banking on appreciation because the cash flow is just either absent or very minimal that it doesn't even make sense on a returns basis. So why is someone buying that? It has to be, I'm banking on appreciation. This is going to go up. But what happens when it doesn't? How I approach things. But again, the starting point for an investor is not the same for every investor. So if you're investor A and you know you have no money and you just want to buy something and your immediate need is cash flow, then maybe the strategy is not for you because there is not going to be any cash flow or very little. And if one thing goes wrong, you know, you're upside down. Ask me how I know. It's happened to me in the past. But if you're investor B and I don't know, you have like you're a doctor, you've been making, I don't know, half a million dollars a year for the last decade, you're sitting with three $4 million in your bank account, and you just want to generate either a cash or you want to just preserve that capital. We all know that if you leave your money sitting in the bank, you're essentially losing money over time, right? You're losing money because of inflation and the taxes on the minimal return that the bank is giving you. So you're better off parking it somewhere that's going to get you a better return than the bank, at least presumably. So even if you're making two, 3% of cash flow on a property, but really you're buying in a location where you're expecting appreciation, but even if it doesn't go up in value, it just goes up with inflation. You're okay because you've preserved your capital. And maybe that's what you're looking for as an investor. So I think the bottom line comes down to why you're investing. So if someone is investing in a property, such as the ones we're discussing now, because they want appreciation, that's a gamble. If they're buying it because they want to preserve capital, then appreciation is a bonus. And that's great. And if you're investing in this, hoping to make cash flow, then that's just not going to work. So you need to figure out why you're investing first before choosing where to park your money or what type of real estate to park your money in. And some people do. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, you go ahead, Frank. Frank, go ahead. I was going to say some people do. And I know some of my friends, they use a hybrid approach of what you just said. So it's, it's all about capital appreciation. I mean, uh, preservation, because they're like, I have this money. I don't know where else to park it. Maybe that I'm not saying lack of education or whatever. It's just like, you know, everyone's doing this shit. I'll do it there. Even if I make nothing, at least I'm preserving my capital as opposed to 
put it in RSP, uh, like a registered retirement fund where they put it into a mutual fund and, you know, it's going to fluctuate in, uh, on the stock market and they lose. And, you know, every quarter is a yo-yo. They don't want to even open their statement up. So like, you know, what? I'll put it in this because it's got a, a tested track record, at least to preserve it. Very unlikely in certain markets that it's going to go below that. And they're okay with not making cash. I'm not okay with not making no money in the next 25 but, years. But. Right. But what's the objective here? And and sorry, Marco, maybe you should go first here. Well, yeah, you want to I, I just want to just streamline this just a little bit. So if my objective is if I just want to improve my life, I don't have any money, I hate my job, and I just want to replace my income so I can just get the fuck out of what I'm doing now, mm -hmm. right? Which I think is most people, sadly. Right. Most people don't like what they do. Uh, they're not in a place financially that they enjoy, and they're looking for a way out somehow, right? And they hear, well, why don't I go buy a condo? And they're in Toronto. Let's hear in Toronto. I want to go. I heard that I could buy pre-construction condos. There's this new phase going up. And you know, I heard someone made a lot of money doing that. So that's what I want to do. And then they, they think they're going to get this big chunk of money. And if your investment strategy is to get out of the situation that you're in, I don't know if you want cash or you want cash flow, or you think cash is going to be the solution to whatever your problem is going to be. The problem with cash is it goes away. Yes. You could, case in point, anyone that wins a lottery within five years goes broke. Why? Because there's no plan. Uh, there's no system. There's no plan. There's no behavior that changed with the money that you got in, right? One of the big things that I teach is behavior change. It's not just about money. It's what do you do with the money in order to really make significant behavior changes to keep the money that you have and make that money grow. So when you go to sleep, the amount of money that goes in your account is actually bigger when you wake up than when you went to bed. And that's a significant behavior change because any money that you have in your account today is a result of the behavior that you've had in the past. Case in point, um, you know, I think it was uh, this or another episode, they're all running together now, but Frank, you know, went from, you know, not having money necessarily that was spare to hundreds of thousands available now spare because his behaviors changed and now it shows in his bank account, right? As in yours, Gabe, but he just shared it with the group in the last mm -hmm. couple episodes. So, so the point is, what's your objective strategy, which is what you were about to say, Gabe. And if it's make sure that you're using the right strategy for your situation. Because if you're using someone else's strategy and they're a different situation, you're going to get not the intended result for you and what you're looking for in your life. Go ahead, and, Gabe. Well, that's it. And it's a great segue here because I think, you know, when wealth is what generally someone who's looking doing this is wants to create, well, how's wealth created? It's always the same cycle, which is taking cash, turning it into an asset, which, you know, recycle into more cash, turn that into an asset and so on and so forth. So you have to, de you have to decide where your starting point is. Do you have cash? Do you have an asset or do you have nothing? And if you're starting off with nothing, which is, I think, the streamlined version that you wanted to look at here, then your first objective is to create a source of cash. And if you have no cash, it doesn't matter if your neighbor bought a condo that's going to appreciate by 40%. You won't even be able to buy that condo in the first place because you have no cash. So creating the cash flow, and this is why most people have jobs, right? It's at, at the onset is because it's their only way that they know how to create cash flow, which is fair at the beginning, but there are other ways. And investing in real estate can be done for cash flow rather than just for appreciation. So even if you have a property that's never going to go up in value or even go down in value, but every single year, it's going to pay you $30,000, $40,000. Is that so bad? If you can take that cash and turn it into another asset, or then you can choose to invest it in a different way if you don't like the cash flow, I guess, version of investing into real estate, that's up to you. 
But if you have nothing, you got to start with something. And to do that, generating cash flow is going to be your priority. And once you've generated that cash flow, then you can decide, do I continue recycling it the same way or do I move on to another strategy? Do I spread it around and have some for appreciation, some for cash flow? Again, you know, in our case, we started, you know, I'll speak for Frank and myself, but I guess, Marco, you did that too just many years ago, where you start with cash flow and you get addicted to that process where it's always giving you cash flow. So once you have cash flow, it's like getting cash, but it never stops. So you have the option of doing what you want with it. I actually started with cash. I wanted to flip and and I realized that when I got a payday, it went away too quickly. So I wanted sustainability. That's when I realized after a couple of deals, I'm like, I have all this money. Literally three weeks later, it's gone. You know, you spend it, you enjoy it. And then you give some to your kids, you catch up on the bills that you had and you're yeah, broke again, feast and famine, feast and famine, feast and famine, feast and famine. And, you know, feast and famine, feast and famine, feast and famine. And I was tired of that. And listen, that's the whole point is where do you want to start off with? And Listen, what happens if you're, you know, if, if maybe you hate your kids or you don't want to leave any uh, money left behind, the cash flow is good enough. If you know that, you know what, you'll be happy making six, seven, eight thousand or even ten thousand dollars a month and you make it, then yeah, that strategy and parking your money and let it appreciate potentially and hopefully in an asset, you don't need to do that. You don't need to play that game because in the end, even if you are going to work a traditional job, right, part of that money is you're saving it you're saving it for your retirement or your because you're saving it for your retirement so you can have cash flow when you do retire right that's Correct. the whole point or you're saving it because you're saving a little bit more because you're like okay I got my kids I want to leave them something so the same thing so it all depends on what your objective is i'd rather give honestly i made it a mandate in my household that each kid before they you know go on and get married or whatever they should have at least one or two cash flowing assets so they can follow their passion and they don't have to have that stress that I went through saying, okay, I got to go to work. Like, you know, my son, John Luca, he wants to be a soccer player. So I want him to go to Europe, go to the camps there, go to an academy there and not worry about, fuck, I got to pay this expense out. So if you can park that and put that aside, oh my goodness, he'll be able to focus and flourish on what his passion is about. Is he going to become a professional semi quasi soccer player? I don't know. Odds are stacked against them, but at least he can try and focus that way. Very good. Very, very good. I just thought of something for another podcast, which we're going to do next. Ha 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 ha. You just gave me an idea. So write yeah, it down, so, write it down. So, it so down. to distill this, depending on where you are in your journey, if you're just beginning and you want to, you have no money whatsoever and you're really struggling from paycheck to paycheck, there's a strategy, which is exactly what I teach in my three day, helping someone get their first property until, you know, we help you until you close one. Using none of your own money, of course, because it's forbidden. And then if you have a little bit of money, how to, you know, or a little bit of cash flow, how to make that grow. And if you have a lot of cash, how to really capital preservation, which is something that I've never even thought about because I'm never really using my own capital, but it makes sense. If you have a lot of cash and you just want to park it there for long periods of time and just know that the money's going to be there and who cares if it appreciates or not. I just know that it's going to make more in this asset or in this project or in this development that's going up, you know, near Frank's place. I know if I put in, you know, $10 million in here, 20 million or 30 million in 20 years, it's still going to be there. Plus, you know, a couple bonuses, a couple bonus points, and also shield myself from some taxes for long-term capital gains. So it makes a lot of sense. Make sure that you're really investing strategically based on where you are, what your wants are, and exactly what you're looking for. And get someone to help you. If you don't know what to do, we'd be thrilled to, you know, 
walk you through down that line to see exactly how we can help in any way that we can, if that's something that you'd like us to help you with as well. So I think we're out of time for this one and I appreciate you both. Unless there's something else that you guys want to say before I, you know, tie this off. Nope. Good. Okay. Well, again, appreciate you, the listener. Appreciate you, Frank and Gabe. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing your results, guys. Again, pick the investment strategy that's best for you, but do something. Doing nothing never made anyone any millions and don't give up just because it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Remember that. It's not supposed to be easy because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, but it doesn't have to be as hard as you think it is. Just get someone to guide you that knows what the hell they're doing, a sensei, a mentor, someone that's already been there, done that, got the t-shirt to really guide you into a direction so you don't have to lose your way and lose you know, your spirit in the journey that you're looking for. Because we all came from different backgrounds and we've all achieved our goals and we have more goals and your goals will change as life goes on. And that's the fun of life is you know, have fun with it. So guys, thanks so much. Again, like, love and share this episode if you can. Give a great comment and we look forward to the very next episode. Look forward to uh, giving you more value in your lives, guys. And I appreciate you very, very much. Kick it today and crush it. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.